the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome, everybody, to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. It's great to be with you on this fine Monday for Hour 2 of Southern California Live. So good to be with you each and every day from 3 to 5 right here where we talk about issues of the day. And through a biblical perspective, I don't think there's any talk show like this in all of Southern California. Just right here. It's the same thing, you know, everywhere else. We'll take some of those same issues that you might be watching on the news, but then we're going to take a look at it, take a step back and say, you know what, as as believers, as the church, or as I know many of you are just wondering what believers think or you're seeking or you are listening because you're in a carpool and that person gets to choose the radio and they pick the station. We're glad that you're with us today. That's what we do. I hope that you had a good weekend. Did you, did you spend any time uh, remembering 9-11 and all of the different things that uh, happened that way? We talked about it in church. Of course, it's on Sunday. I hope you went to church. I've been meaning to just ask, you know, in fact, maybe this is a good subject for, for later today or maybe on Wednesdays what did you, or on Mondays. What did you learn in church yesterday? Do you even remember? <laughs> um, and uh, I think that's a big one, right? Or did we just go and, and, you know, we remember the pastor's joke or we remember the 9-11 thing because it was emotional, but uh, what was the sermon about? Did you get anything? Was, was there a song that impacted you? I think those things are important to pay attention to. You know, I think... One of the one of the things about learning, one of the things that for the church in the last hour, we, we didn't kind of even get to some of the solutions for how the church does better at letting people know what really our faith is about. Um, and a big part of it is you got to be in your Bible. You have to read your Bible. Most of it's not that hard. Some of it's just not what we would like. But I think there's also something, and this is very biblical, we have to be able to have wisdom and and vision, something I keep hearing. And I've heard this for a long time, but it's a big part of the national conversation today, is that Jesus didn't talk about it, therefore we can just do whatever we want. Have you heard this before? Uh, that there's some subject, well, Jesus never said anything about it, so uh, I can just do whatever we want. It doesn't really matter. Um, Joe Scarborough on MSNBC said this about the abortion conversation uh, on Friday. He said this. uh, Go ahead. Oops, I just clicked on the wrong thing. Uh, Just a little technical thing here. This is what he said here. And and let me just say, as a Southern Baptist, I grew up reading the Bible, maybe a backslidden Baptist, but I still know the Bible. Jesus never once talked about abortion, never once. And it was happening back in ancient times. It was happening during his time. Never once mentioned it. And for people perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ down to one issue, it's heresy. Um, funny that he talked about he's a backslidden Baptist, I guess you can say, but I know my Bible, he said. No, you don't. Uh, you don't know. Yeah, Jesus doesn't say something about abortion. That's true. There, There is no verse where Jesus just sort of lays it out there and says, uh, lo, I am pro-life and I vote Republican 
Uh, he never says that or anything like that. That's true. There's other things that Jesus never talked about. Uh, he never talked about rape. Uh, there's no no passage where Jesus talks about that activity. Uh, does that mean it's okay? Um, that Jesus never talked about uh, gun control. He never talked about you know whenever we have a conversation about gun control, uh, we it's it kind of goes back and forth, and people have different opinions, and people really but we we don't land sometimes as Christians because well maybe there isn't something there specifically, but. But we can reason through a lot of these things. Jesus never says anything about uh, chattel slavery. He talks about uh, slavery in that day, but not the same kind of slavery we had here in the United States. He doesn't talk about that. He doesn't talk about uh, flying first class. Jesus never answers the question, should a Christian fly first class or should a Christian always fly coach? Uh, Or maybe there's a, a, a cheaper, you know, why is it coach? What does that mean? You have first class coach and then equipment manager. That's the real cheap ticket. You got to sit in the back underneath. Um, they make you stand up. They're going to have airlines eventually where we have to stand. I'm not looking forward to that. Or, or maybe I, maybe there's just they do that because there's just more room. They can just squeeze in more people if you're just standing there. Jesus doesn't answer that question, but it's an interesting question. Jesus doesn't talk about uh, modern human trafficking. He doesn't talk about a lot of the political issues that we're talking about today. He doesn't talk about border control. He doesn't talk about that. He doesn't talk about, uh, he does talk about loving your neighbor and he talks about people. And I think on that regard, you can figure out what Jesus might say, at least in the realm of possibility. Jesus is always going to land on loving people. He is always going to land on what is true. And he's not going to go away from what the, the scriptures have to say. So on sexual issues, for example, Jesus does talk about sexual immorality, and you have to ask, well, he doesn't spell out all the different things that that might be. So what does he mean? Well, he means whatever they would have thought in the uh, Old Testament about it, in the law. And what they thought was that if it's uh, sexual relations outside marriage or outside a couple of those laws there, it's not allowed. Uh, You don't do it. And so he really did speak about those things. See, it's all there what Jesus actually believes. It's not too hard if you know your Bible, but you got to study it. You got to get into it. And I think, have we lost our ability to, to reason? Have we lost our ability to uh, uh, discern what is true about the world that we live in? Has this, is this something that is just gone? I think that that actually is something that we've lost. That's why we don't have the the unity. That was a big subject, right, for 9-11, is the unity we had afterward. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can call 888-528-2557 if you want to join this conversation, 888-528-2557. There was a speaker. We still do 9-11 events. Did you know, do you watch any of that where people get up and it's a pretty significant event in New York and another one in Washington, D.C. at the Pentagon and another one in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, 21 years later. And there are so many people alive today, adults who have, who weren't even born when this happened. It's a, it's an incredible thing. Every year people get up and they read all the names, all almost 3000 people who died on that day. And they, they read them all. You can watch this. It takes 
most of the, 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 the morning and I think even into the afternoon. And they have markers and a bell will ring at the different markers. So 846, I think, was the first plane and maybe 903, the second plane. You know, when the Pentagon got hit, when South Tower collapses, all of those things are marked throughout the day. 20 years later, we're doing this. And something interesting happened this year. And, you know, when you, when you think about 9-11, when people talk about it, one of the things that you remember if you were there is the incredible sense of unity we had as a nation right after that. That, you know, some of the best events, some of the most incredible memories, if you go back and you can watch, you know, there was no YouTube back then. There was no social media. There was no YouTube. I don't even think there was MySpace. Maybe there was, but nobody had heard of it. YouTube, I think, is 2004, so three years later. We just didn't – there was a whole different world back then for sure. But people were able to come together. The baseball stories are amazing. The first game back in New York City, the the Mets uh, and the Braves, I think they were playing – you know, if you look at it as a normal game, it's not that eventful. Mike Piazza hits a home run and the Mets win three to two. Okay. But because of the emotion of that, everybody just a few days later there, that home run that Mike Piazza hit, which would have been forgotten about otherwise, it was a, a national moment of healing in a baseball game. President George W. Bush, if you Google him throwing out his first pitch at the World Series then in October, President Bush comes out, stands on the mound in Yankee Stadium in a city that, that did not vote for him at all, in a city that he lost badly, right? In a city, in, in a stadium full of people who probably did not vote for him at all. But he stands on the mound he gets, and he throws a strike. It's maybe one of the greatest symbolic moments of his presidency that he does that. And there's a funny story about that. It's that Derek Jeter uh, came up to him and said, uh, Mr. President, are you going to throw uh, your opening the the first pitch out from the mound and or in front of the mound and bush says well i think i'll throw it from in front of the mound and jeter says you better not do that people this is yankee stadium they'll boo you oh and by the way you better throw a strike and put all kinds of pressure on him but he did and the thing is is that it was so powerful that kind of unity i how have we lost that have you thought about this is that is that something that can possibly come back the number is 888-528-2557 I think some of it is that we have got to, and, I, and when I say we, certainly I mean our leaders, but in a way, every one of us are the leaders. We all have influence over people in our relational world. We are voters, at least a third of us listening are voters, because two-thirds of the people who, who are around here in Southern California don't vote, and that's part of the problem, I think, also. Well, something happened in this event in New York that doesn't I don't think usually happens. So what happens is people, what usually happens is different people who lost a loved one on 9-11, they get up and they, they will read a set of names. And then they have a moment where they can share about briefly about their loved one, their person who, uh, that they're there for. And uh, one man, and I don't have his name and I can't find it. And I think this got buried in the news because of what happened. At that ceremony, over in a booth, separated from all the people who are watching, which is normal, is uh, Vice President Harris and the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, and several other uh, New York area politicians and other dignitaries of that sort. Uh, They're all there. And, you know, let's, let's not pretend we're not living in a divided time. And we're divided about who are the most divisive. 
and there's a lot of divisiveness, I think, going around for sure. This man, he says, he says this as he's remembering the unity we had after 9-11. Everyone in front of us is a, is a new family. It took a tragedy to create this new family. And I want to remind everyone over there, our politicians and elected leaders surrounded by a border right now, it took a tragedy to unite our country. Back then, no one cared if you were a Republican, Democrat, age, gender, race, ethnicity. We were united. It took a tragedy to unite us. And I want to remind all of you there, it should not take another tragedy to unite our nation. Because if I have to stand at this podium again or another podium for another event because of lives lost, because of dereliction of duty, it's going to hurt. Just like it hurts me. I want to thank everyone for being here, and I'm going to continue doing this until the day that I die, and I'm joined with my family up there. God bless her. Thank you. It's a powerful moment and not what you usually have at that event, but I think that he expressed, and you can tell me if you disagree, but I think he expressed what a lot of us are feeling. I don't think he was calling out necessarily one party or another. I have no idea what you know political party he's a part of, um, but I think he's acknowledging something we feel, that we are not united. And I think, number one, we're not united as a country in a big part because we are afraid of getting into what might actually be true. We are so hyper-partisan that it's the other side is just all bad and our side is not as bad. And there becomes a, a certain kind of either moral equivalence or an idea that says, well, my side is doing bad things, but your side is doing worse bad things, and therefore you're the bad guy. And it is a rejection of the idea of being humble, the idea of of taking the plank out of our own eye before we can see clearly enough to take the plank out of uh, our neighbor's eye. I mean, the, the solution in our country to a lot of our division is Democrats would take on Democrats for things Democrats are doing wrong, and Republicans would take on Republicans for what Republicans are doing wrong, and independents would admit that they're either a Democrat or a Republican and, and lean to whatever side and, and go after them. Um, and there needs to be a, a biblical approach. And, you know, the thing is, in the churches, we're pretty divided on these issues, aren't we, sometimes? Uh, and very often, actually. It's time that this ends. And I think it's time that we don't just leave it to the people who are in power, although they have that responsibility. That's part of our reason that we need to vote. As we're getting closer to the election, the the ballots that we're going to have in California, they're mailed in a month. Uh, the voting actually doesn't happen in November. Most of the voting is going to happen in October, starting a month from now. Do you realize that? And I think as believers, there is something to it that once people are elected, I do think that we need to submit to authority and those passages in the Bible, Romans 13 and, and 1 Timothy, and uh, the the whole idea that we, we submit to those people in authority. I think it matters. But in America, we have something else. We have a certain bit of authority that each one of us has if you are over 18, is that you, if, and you're a citizen, is you get to vote that there is a period of time when elections come when we actually have that authority, when we pick those leaders. And I think that there is a place when you would respect those leaders after they are chosen. But in the meantime, um, we have to choose. And what I mean by this is that we are the leaders. 
that the Constitution begins with we the people, not we the writers of this document, but we representing all of us, the people. We are the ones. Do you see yourself as a a leader in this regard? Do you see yourself in a place where you really can lead? See, I think that a big problem is that we have lost the ability to have some understanding about um, moral issues and how to deal with them altogether. I'll give you another example. This is kind of what spurred my thinking. A lot of the 9-11 stuff, a lot of stuff going on online, many things that were set out there is this, that January 6th, for example, and 9-11 are the same thing, or that January 6th is worse. Uh, And it kind of bugs me. Like, I'm not saying that January 6th wasn't a bad deal. It was. But it's not worse than 9-11. It's not Pearl Harbor. Somebody's, you know, December 7th and September 11th and January 6th. Personally, I don't think they're the same. That doesn't mean that, that they're not all bad. But I think 20 years from now, we're still going to be reading off all the names of all the dead people on 9-11. And the only people talking about January 6th will be historians interested in the Trump presidency and that era of our country. And that's it. I think that's probably the case. They're not the same. And it doesn't mean we don't deal with things when they are wrong. But I think our inability to even make that distinction from a lot of our leaders, and that's coming from leaders. That's not just coming from some Yahoo on Twitter. All right. This is coming from the vice president had this to say a year ago that it's the same. Many people in the news media, if you watch the news, they said a lot of this stuff here. Are we able to, in the church, be able to have a reasonable conversation about the things in our day that are troublesome? Or is it us against them? When it comes to Christianity and in our culture today, we often are worried about our rights as Christians. Um, And I think there's some reason to be concerned about at least doing church the way we've been able to do it with the freedoms that we have. I think that um, we have seen a change from our government, the way it functions in its relationship with the church, that the church is, is being pushed aside a lot more and being marginalized a lot more. Um, more than it used to be, and we've lost a sense in our country of the value of the church to the country. And what I mean is from from the standpoint of why do we have the church? Why does the church have tax-exempt status? Why is there a freedom of religion? Um, why do we – why are these things important? Not Not from a Christian standpoint exactly, but from a national standpoint. Why do these things matter? Are we able to have this conversation? I think we're we're losing that, and I think we need to get that back. And that has to do a lot with what is missing in leadership. We need to realize that some things are worse than other things. Now, if you're talking about sins, you know what? Every sin separates from the from the uh, the glory of God. Everybody needs a savior, but there are some things that are in Scripture that just have a tremendous amount do a tremendous amount of damage. And those things, they're typically sexual sins and violence, but they're also the sins that we do to each other and the way we treat each other. That's why there's so much written against gossip and slander, and there's so much written about the way we speak to one another. Do you know those verses as well? Are we able to take the the plank out of our own eye with all of this? It's a significant thing. What I would challenge you to think about is are you an extreme partisan 
with things that are a lot more nuanced? Or do you take a role that says, well, Jesus never said it, so I can just do whatever? Uh, Which probably isn't true. Probably Jesus said something that fits when you think about it. But maybe he didn't. Is it then okay to just be hyper-partisan about something, or are we still supposed to come together and find a way to move forward? I think that's that's something that, as the church, we can we can demonstrate. We can stay true to biblical principles in the way we live. We can stay true to what we're we're teaching from the Word of God, as long as it's from the Word of God. And at the same time, we can have grace, the grace of Christ, that we show to other people. See, this brings us together. That was the thing at nine eleven: is people had grace for each other. Uh, now there wasn't a lot of grace, I'll admit, from you know for um, Muslims at that period of time. And that would have been a much harder position to take uh, with all of that, but it still would have been the right position to take. How do we have grace now for people who are so directly opposed to who they are? I think that we can do better. I think that we need to do better. This is something for the church to consider, something that needs to be preached, that we need a civil discourse that is truthful, that is bold, but polite, that is kind, that allows for room to hear another perspective, especially if it's something where there's a a lot of nuance, especially for things that sometimes are influenced by people's actual um, experience in life. It matters greatly. I'm going to take a break. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557, We'll be back as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. Before the break, I was talking about unity, in a way, getting back to that sense of unity we had after 9-11, and it was broken up, you know, after time, and people disagreed about the war and decisions that were made. There were legitimate disagreements uh, about those things, I think. And uh, obviously, at the time, you know, when you're going through something, it's not always the same, right? When you have the perspective of looking back 20 years on it, you think things a little bit differently. I try to do that from the standpoint of, of history. What What is history going to say about us now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, how are they, you know, what are the questions that people will ask about this era we're in? And it's hard to know because we don't know what's going to happen. Ultimately, we don't really know, you know, are we going to have an era of great national unity and pride all of a sudden, or are we going to continue down the road that we've been on now for a while of uh, division? 888-528-2557 is the number. David in Culver City. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing well, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. I have a comment, and then I would like to ask you a question after my comment. Sure. Okay? Yes. Okay. My comment is, I think the title United States is kind of ironic. Over our history, we've been disunited over a lot of things. But I do think right now, one sign of how much trouble we're in. Oh, David, are you there? Hey, David, I think we lost you. Give us a call back. Oh, hold on, David. You there? Hey, David, start over. The last thing I heard was uh, how much trouble we're in. Well, I think we're in trouble because 
we have a large percentage of the population, a large percentage of the Republican Party, a large percentage of Republican representatives that don't or won't say they accept the legitimacy of the presidential election. I mean, that is a talk about a, a knife into the heart of democracy, not rep- not not respecting the outcome of our election. Now, the question. Yes. Scott, do you believe that Joe Biden is a legitimately elected president of the United States? Okay, that's a good question, and I appreciate uh, your comment, David. You know, one thing, David, and I'll definitely answer that question in a minute. Um, and you're right. There's a lot of people who are, are saying an awful lot of stuff. Mostly, it's not... It's a lot of it's on the Republican side, but there's Democrats, too, okay, that don't accept their own election. And they didn't accept Donald Trump in 2016. The Russians did it, right? So this this problem, as I see it, has been developing for a long time on both sides. Uh, in fact, all the way back to uh, Gore and Bush, where they put a commission out, Gore and Bush did, about what to do. Uh, and I'll let you go and I'll answer your question here. About what to do um, about our elections. It came out in 2005. And um, you can Google it, and it's the the um, Let Us Vote plan or something. I'll find it specifically what it's called. But it has a whole bunch of bipartisan recommendations for what we need to do to secure our voting uh, system in the United States. And most of it I think people on both sides would agree with, but we're not doing it. And those weaknesses that they saw back in 2004-2005 are being exploited now that allow people to just say – that, hey, the election seems funny to me, it's not legitimate. And I think that's something that I challenge all of us to think about. If we don't like the results of an election or we have reason to think, hey, something's funny about it, there's a big difference between saying something is funny about it and being able to actually prove that somebody did something. You know, proof means I can go into court and I've got these ballots and these ballots were falsified or they, you know, somebody did this and that and here's the steps. And, you know, it's one thing to say it outside of court. It's another thing to say it inside court. And if you're struggling with this, I, I recommend everybody go and read what attorneys actually say in court. It's not always the same thing that they say uh, in front of a microphone to their political crowd. Uh, do I think that Joe Biden is the legitimate president of the United States? Yes, I do. Uh, here's the thing. Joe Biden, our presidents are elected actually by uh, electors. Uh, that's how they get elected. And it's a, I think it's an important thing to keep. And I understand a lot of people would like to see that go away, especially in an era where we're so divided and the popular vote is is sometimes going for the person who loses. Well, we've seen that, what, two or three times recently. Um, and I get that, but that's not how we're designed. Uh, a lot of the things that, you know, as far as legitimacy, we have to we have to follow the rule of law. That is a big deal. And if we're not willing to do that... Even if we think something happened, okay, I run a, I run a, or I have run, I don't know if I'll do it this year or not, but for many years, I have a a group online where I do an election night thing. It's called the Ferocious Election Day Special, and the purpose of it is really to educate to how the process works. And I can go, the great thing about the internet now is I can go online and I can track races myself, and I don't have the pressure that television networks have um, to call the race correctly, uh, although I almost always do. And it's because there's a formula. There's, If you look at some races after a certain percentage of the vote is in and for somebody is this far ahead, 
there's a formula that says no one's ever made up that gap and you can call the race. If you ever wonder why somebody calls the race and there's only 1% of the vote in, it's because there's a there's math behind that. It's It actually is scientific. It's not you know 100% certain, but it almost always is the case uh, to do that. And in doing that, once in a while, there are things that come up. So in 2016... Uh, I had a lot of people who were Democrats on there saying that something happened. This can't be a legitimate election of Donald Trump. Uh, And in 2020, I had people saying the same thing about uh, the election of Joe Biden, Republicans saying that. And what I try to remind people, and I know this is a sensitive thing for a lot of you listening, we have to be connect. We have to deal with what can actually be proven in law. If I have a hunch that somebody cheated in an election, it's not enough to have a hunch. If I have, if something looks funny, if I say to myself, gosh, it really is funny that I went to bed and Trump was ahead and then I woke up and then Biden is ahead. And, you know, it can look funny, but if, if people can't prove it, then you have a problem. And even if there is a problem, see, if there is a problem and proof is not just suspicion And proof is not just, gosh, this doesn't seem right. Everybody I know voted this way or the other way. Um, Proof that you need is actual evidence. Uh, These specific ballots are falsified. You get that in the local elections. In fact, the election here in uh, one of the city council elections got overturned because they were able to prove in court right here in, in, uh, I think it's Compton, uh, they were able to prove just a few months ago that the winner, who only won by a couple of votes, actually had a bunch of illegal votes, and they could prove it. They had names. They had where those illegal votes were, were done for. They had the ballot, and the courts overturned the election. That can happen when there's proof. I think that where we need to go is we should be looking at our elections and saying this is a dangerous thing for our country, that people can just say, I don't think the election's legitimate based upon a feeling. Uh, If they're right, that needs to be exposed and it needs to be proven. If they're wrong, then it can't be a situation, there needs to be a system that makes it very easy just to say, just to discount, hey, this whole thing. And one of the problems in 2020 was the the ballots being mailed out and the lack of, of, uh, there's a whole lot of problems with those ballots. Um, Now, it's not to say that the votes aren't legitimate. All right. It's not to say that the people who filled them out aren't actual voters who didn't vote that way. We don't know. Um, we assume that they are. See what I'm saying is that I know that this this frustrates people you know, in a lot of what's going on, but that's part of our division. If we want to fix it, then we really need to ask the question, how do we have an election system that has oversight, that's bipartisan, that is really real? You know, one of those things that's suggested in there is is voter ID. Somehow voter ID, that was suggested by Democrats in 2005 as something that ought to happen. Uh, why do we not have voter ID? Well, a bunch of people don't have, vote, don't have driver's licenses. Really? Who are these people? Who are these people who every four years come out of the shadows who don't have ID, which means they don't have cell phones, they don't have bank accounts, they can't travel, they pretty much are paralyzed. Who are these people? They, they're not there. There are some people, there are some elderly people who have stopped driving who didn't re-up their their driver's license and it expired. They need to get their state ID. There are some people who have had different reasons why maybe they don't have them, but it's not that many. And the, the solution, actually, that they presented is very, very simple. The solution is 
you just have a provisional ballot that every precinct in the country already has, and you just fill it out. I am who I say I am, and here's my signature. You make it a felony if you're lying, and uh, you count the votes like you do provisional ballots uh, today. The provisional ballot is if you go in, if you go in to vote somewhere now, and your name's not on the list, and you, but you insist that this is your polling place, that there's some kind of mistake. They'll give you a ballot, and they call it provisional. They'll count it last after they've gone through a process of figuring out if you are right. Um, there's no reason we can't do that. There's no reason we can't do that immediately in every state in the country, in every precinct. We don't. Why? There's, there's a reason for why. I think in that case, that's where people want to cheat or do something funny. I think that the, the mail ballots, maybe there's a way to do that. I don't like the, the lack of chain of custody where you can just drop them off in some box somewhere. Where I lived uh, for the last election, there was a, a basket that um, one group just opened up by the library. I don't even know who they are. I don't know if they're official. I don't know if they're a political party or some political group. But I see people dropping off their ballot in there. I'm going, I never give you my ballot. Why would I do that? Those kinds of things are, are bad. Uh, I think that needs to be fixed. When we come back, I'll give you that, what that is. You know, but friends, we have to look at this next election. What I'm worried about now for this election is whoever the losers are, are going to claim, hey, this election was rigged or this election, these people cheated, and they're just going to claim it. Uh, 2016, the Russians did it. 2020, there's all these reasons that overnight a bunch of votes were added all of a sudden. Uh, 2018 in Georgia, this election's illegitimate. I'm not going to, I'm not going to concede. We're having this happen at a lot of different levels. We have to be a nation of laws. We have to. That's what we are, are meant to be. And we have to fix the system so that whenever people make a claim, there's either a good path for them to work it out if they're right. And we have to acknowledge that they might be right because sometimes there are. There's definitely dead people voting and there's definitely people out of state and there's definitely illegal votes probably in every precinct or every county anyway. Some, it affects the, the local elections, uh, but it's a lot harder to say there's tens of thousands of illegal votes. Um, and if you're going to say it, you've got to be able to go to court and go, here it is. Uh, and we're, we're saying this, you know, the, the, the difficulty is with justices, right? So in this whole, I got to go to a break, but... In uh, if you're on uh, Donald Trump's side of whatever's happening in Mar-a-Lago, you're saying that the judge that approved that um, raid, uh, and it is a raid, I know we're not supposed to call it that, but is a Epstein guy or something, and he is a liberal judge who has written a whole bunch of stuff that he hated Trump. It's probably a good point that he shouldn't have been on that case, but there you go. But the Democrats are saying that the, the judge who was appointed by Trump, who is allowing for the special master, is a Republican, and therefore she's ill. You know, we just have this problem where we're not getting our way. The Supreme Court uh, is, you know, uh, John Roberts today is saying, I don't understand why if people disagree, it's okay for people to disagree with the court, but to just make a claim of illegitimacy. See, that's, that is the, the thing that I think is the bigger problem now is that we claim it because we feel it. To, to bring it down a little closer, I think we do that with a lot of issues in our life. To get where we started even in this hour is, well, Jesus never said anything about abortion, so it must be okay. Well, Jesus never said anything about this, and it must be okay. Where does that come from? That just comes from a, a feeling or an agenda, but it's not true just because we feel like it's true. I got to take a break. You can call me 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. 
I'll be back as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues. Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. Uh, I'll get your calls here in just a moment. I want to make sure I give you some receipts on a couple of things I just said that I think are important. Uh, I mentioned that a election was just overturned here in Los Angeles, happened uh, in May in the city of Compton uh, after contentious primary. This is from the L.A. Times. Uh, there was runoff in June 2021 between Galvan and Spicer, and Galvan won 855 to 854. One vote which, by the way, happens all the time in local elections. If you think your vote doesn't matter, you know, you might get lost in the millions of vote for a presidential race or the million vote here in California that's different for a governor race. Or a, But your local elections, which, by the way, those are the people who are making a lot of decisions that affect your life, that affect your kids, that have, affect your health care, those are often decided by a very small number of votes. And, you know, that's why you got to vote. Anyway, 855 to 854, one vote. But the court ruled that Spicer was the rightful winner of the election by 854 to 851. And the reason is, is that when there was a challenge, they went through and and discovered that some of the voters for Galvan didn't live in Compton and their votes were should not have been allowed. A lot easier to do that in a local election than it is statewide. The other thing that I mentioned, and I keep this kind of handy because I think it should really help us. If you really want to make some progress and both sides with this concern that caller David mentioned a while ago. I think it's legitimate about people just saying, well, on both sides are doing it and have been doing it now for years. The election is illegitimate. Uh, in If you remember in the 2000 election, if you were around, uh, George W. Bush won by 537 votes in the state of Florida. There was recounts. There was controversy. There were court rulings. Ultimately, the Supreme Court put a stop to the counting and said you got to count the votes that have already been counted George Bush becomes president. Al Gore said, I don't agree, but I will accept it, uh, which was a good speech. It was the best I've ever seen of Al Gore, actually, that speech he made after that. Um, and uh, after that, though, the Democrats and Republicans in the Congress, they passed the Help America Vote Act is what it's called. Help America Vote Act of 2002. They wanted it to be – it's supposed to be fully implemented by 2006. Uh, it has not. And – there's a lot of things in here, including voter ID, including things with voting machines, including uh, mail ballots, all of that kind of stuff, military overseas balloting, uh, absentee ballots, what to do about voter fraud, lots of that stuff. If you read that, you'll be interested to see it because uh, a lot of what's being exploited now when people say, oh, this election wasn't uh, legitimate, if, if states would have done what this act required them to do – we wouldn't have a lot of the questions that people have. It would be a lot easier. It would be a lot harder to say that things weren't right, or it would be a lot easier to challenge it from the standpoint of court if you feel like it's not. Um, That was 20 years ago, and we didn't do it. And that would be, I would say, personally, my gripe right now about against both sides is that they know there are problems that are being exploited. And we're not moving quickly to do something about it. Uh, Voter ID has been the one in the news. Voter ID right here. Second page, section two, voter identification. To ensure, this is Democrats and Republicans, to ensure that persons presenting themselves at the polling place are the ones on the registration list, the commission recommends that states require voters to use real ID 
they were starting their, you know, the real ID that you're supposed to get by next year, otherwise you can't fly somewhere. Did you know that? Uh, better check with the DMV if you don't have it. They were starting that back then, after 9-11. That happened. It's just been delayed. Uh, it only just now is starting to come into effect. Uh, it was mandated by law, signed by the president in May 2005. The card includes a person's full legal name, date of birth, a signature as a captured digital image, a photograph, and the personal social security number. I don't think that's on our cards uh, here in California. I think it's in the data, though, like it's in that strip in the back. Um, this card should be modestly adapted for voting purposes to indicate in front or back or whether the person is a U.S. citizen. And it goes on to talk about what to do. And that was both sides. And, you know, that would help a lot, wouldn't it? Um, at least both sides thought so then, you know. Um, so there, there's a lot going on. 888-528-2557. David in San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. This is David. Hi, David. You're not the same David before. It was David from Culver City. Now you're David from San Diego. We've had many Davids today, yeah. actually. Welcome. Well, I'm very thankful that my father and mother named me that. I have to say more like my mom. Uh huh. But it's just a name. But it's interesting. I do listen to you, and I've been listening to you for quite a while. I think you used to have a morning show. I think it was 11 to 11.30. Yeah, in San Diego, I did. Yeah. 11.30 to 12. And so so when I was listening to David, he said, oh, Dave, I'm going to make a comment, and I'm going to make a question. And he says, why do – and he mentioned the Republicans do not agree with this election. And then he put that question. So it's kind of put you on the spot, like, let me see if he agrees with my statement or I disagree with what you're going to tell me. And I don't look at it that way. I mean, I'm a born-again believer, and I know the Heavenly Father allows to put people—I mean, he mm -hmm. controls who is going to be in power. Yep. And I have to say— um, in a way, I'm thankful that we're going through this because this is opening the eyes to the Americans who wants to really learn the truth, what's going on in the banking industry, in the education system, in the military, and at the executive branch, all over. You could tell that these elements got together and planned what we are seeing right now. Well, I mean, how they are affecting our children, our future generations. And there's people just sitting going, oh, it must be okay. Yeah. For the, example, oh, for giving the loans, for student loans. Oh, it must be okay. It, 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 there is no way, Scott, that these men won the election the proper way. Well, David, I, I got to go to another call because we're almost out of time here. You know, one of the things I would say is you got to have proof. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm getting at. Proof, even if it doesn't feel that way. We've talked about the, uh, you know, another problem is that Congress isn't really doing its job. And the, the president, with all these executive orders, like the student loan thing, and other, he doesn't have the authority to do that probably. But if Congress doesn't do anything, uh, then I guess he can do that. And then what's happening is that the next president just undoes everything that the last president did. And uh, that is bad. That is a whole other issue here. Uh, I'm going to take one more call here. Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, how you doing? Good afternoon, uh, Scott. Ted, City of the Angels, once again, thank you for allowing me to speak. Yeah, just a few um, seconds here, Ted. Uh, the abortion thing, the gentleman, the Baptist, I mean, they were living in tents. I mean, was there even capability of doing abortions? Why he would bring that topic up? 
that Jesus didn't talk about it. I mean, it's, it, it is murder. We know that. And why? I mean, it just it's mind boggling that somebody cannot think on a simple matter on this sort of thing. Well, I and think I'm it's, just, you know, I think, uh, Ted, it's because people want to do it. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I think, and thank you for your call, Ted. Here's what I think. I think that even if Jesus said, thou shalt not have abortions, they would still do it. It has nothing to do with it. Um, all right. Uh, hey, everybody, I appreciate We only have a couple of minutes left. And so I just want to encourage you as you think about the unity that we're supposed to have. Jesus prayed for us to have unity in him for the gospel because all of these issues, as as intense as they are, and as they're making us so divided, even in the church, we're divided over this. That is the work of the enemy. Um, David from San Diego, he said it right, that whoever is in charge, God put them there. Even if there was cheating, God isn't surprised. You know, if, if the, legit, the election's not legitimate, God's not looking down saying, how did that happen? I don't understand. He knows. And we have to see God as sovereignness this way. And then what do we do? What is God's plan? He wants everybody to be saved. First Timothy tells us that's the will of God. We know that not everybody's going to be, but he wants everybody to be saved. And that is our goal. Do not sacrifice your testimony for a political issue that is so divisive or you can't really be truthful. Even if you're right, you might be telling the truth, but if you can't prove it, it's just going to keep creating problems. And both sides are doing that. And that is, that's an ongoing problem, and it's part of the division. And uh, that's a hard place to leave it on, but focus on the gospel in your life. I think the church has a role here to say, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, what matters is that people know Jesus Christ, that our organization, the church, is here so that people know that they're not saved by whoever wins an election, that we should expect things not to go too well when people are ungodly, but we have the answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again on the third day, that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. When you rest there, it's a lot easier to get along with people who disagree with you. I'm out of time for today. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. This is Southern California Live. I'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. Have a great evening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.